My name is Derek, one of the pastors here, and uh, if you've been here the last three weeks, you've realized we are blessed to have other teachers. Um, I, had a, I met with a pastor of another church in town recently, a, a very large church, and he asked the question, do you have people that can fill the pulpit when, when you need a vacation? Um, and he was asking in love that like, they could share some people. I said, well, yeah, actually, I've got four others that are on the schedule that work through, and he just kind of, his eyes kind of popped out like, that's how many we have too. We are really, really blessed. And so I want to thank you for those uh, who taught while I was not. Um, and I was blessed actually by you all teaching as well. So thank you for that. Um, so 4th of July, we are celebrating our freedom, um, our freedom to worship, our freedom that God gives us. And of course, in Christ, we have great freedom. But this is found in our Declaration of Independence. You probably know this phrase. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. On this 4th of July, I kind of wanted to pull out on that. What is this saying that we have rights for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Now, I want to focus on that that happiness part real quick, because that idea of the pursuit of happiness has largely become a, uh, a right to pursue success, right? It, I mean, we kind of lump in happiness with material prosperity, uh, with physical uh, success, with health, th- those things. What There's a, a song, country song, uh, money doesn't buy happiness, but it can buy me a boat. I don't know. Um, good song. But, but ha- this happiness has really kind of been wrapped up into success. And, and people have come here. You know, they come to the U.S. to find the freedom to pursue success. And so I wanted to ask this question real quick this morning. Does God want us to be successful? Is it God's will for us to be successful in this life? Some churches would say, yes. Some churches would say, if you are living according to God's will, you will be wealthy, healthy, live a long life, etc. Is that God's will? This series, we're going through Psalms and Proverbs, looking at the heart of God. And so I really felt like we need this week to be in Proverbs 21. So turn there and look at what does God say about this? Is it more spiritual to be poor Or if our faith is strong enough, does that guarantee health, wealth, and prosperity? Now, again, some would say, yes, it's it's about success. But then you look at the life of Jesus. He lived a life of poverty. And throughout history, there are, you know, Christian monks and those who have taken, you know, vows of poverty. Is that more holy? Or are the rich evidence of God's favor? Look at Proverbs 21. Because we're going to see some of these scriptures that point to that, and then we're going to understand what God is wanting us to say. In Proverbs 21, and we're going to kind of skip through a little bit, but here's three verses. 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. 21.20, precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. A wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the stronghold in which they trust. Each of these three verses point to success. 
They really do. I mean, in context, these are talking about uh, diligence leading to abundance. Now, that's not some mystical spiritual abundance. That's talking about here on this earth. And so looking at these, Christians will look at that and go, oh, God wants us to be successful. But then in the New Testament, we see things like this. John 16, 33, in the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Or John 15, 20, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, this is Jesus speaking, they will also persecute you. So which is it? Health, wealth, prosperity, or suffering, persecution, and trouble? Well, here's why I want to look at this. Because the, the prosperity gospel, as it's called, uh, or prosperity theology, which the largest churches in our country, this is what they stand on. Not, not all of them, but some of the largest. It is a very American theology that has blended the gospel with success. And again, it's, it's American, and we've exported it to other places in the world. But it's all about, okay, if you pursue God, you'll get the things that you want. If you give, this is a big part of that message, you give, and God will give you more. You have enough faith, and you'll get that job that you want. You'll get that, whatever it is. And they manipulate it, and they change the gospel. And so I want to today kind of debunk a little bit uh, the prosperity theology and look at what God is really saying, because what it comes down to is there are principles in Scripture, and there are promises in Scripture. And when we read the Bible, this is God's word for us, we need to understand the two. Some things are promises. God is saying, this is the way it is. This, I promise these. Other things are principles. And God, the creator of the world, gave some principles for success. And we need to understand the two, but not confuse the two. Listen to this. This is what Paul says about a false gospel. This is in Galatians 1, 6 through 9. It'll be on the screen here. Paul says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse, as we have already said. So now I say again, if anybody preaches to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. And, and you may think, wow, that's not a big deal. This prosperity gospel, not a big deal. It's very, very destructive. And I've watched it be destructive. I've watched families think that they could pray enough to heal somebody. And when that person dies, they're broken. Oh, it was our faith. It's our fault. It, it becomes about the person when the true gospel is about Jesus. There is no other gospel. Following God in order to get all these material things, is, and God's like our genie. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is this. Jesus loves us so much. God loves us so much. He sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross. And when we place our faith in him as Lord, we believe he died on the cross. We believe he rose again. He gives us the Holy Spirit. And then he, he starts to change us. This is the gospel. Pointing toward eternity with him. And so this prosperity, someday we will have it. Absolutely. By the way, eternity, we're going to have bodies with bone. Uh, and blood. We're going to get to eat and drink. And there we will be rich for eternity. And so we're looking toward that. But also he gives us an abundant life. Now our mission statement is on the wall over here. Why do we exist? To connect people to the abundant life only possible through an abiding relationship with Jesus. 
Here's what that means. When we have a relationship with Jesus and we are learning to walk with him, he gives us happiness, joy, peace, hope, despite circumstances. That is way better than our well-being being dependent on circumstances, our happiness being dependent on circumstances. Rather, no, in Christ, despite the circumstance, we have faith in him and we have joy. We have all the things that God wants to give us. Now, with all that out of the way, in Proverbs, we do see some wisdom to succeed. Because let's be honest, we want to succeed in life, don't we? And, and that's not wrong. We send our kids to college, we want them to do well. We want them to get good grades. We want them to get good jobs. We want to succeed. And in Proverbs, we see some of these principles of success. This is in your notes. Living God's way leads to real success. And if God's faithful people gain wealth and position, they leverage themselves to bless others to the glory of God. Meaning, when God's people succeed, it's often a good thing because it's not about them. It's what God can then do through them, through some of that success. I want you to picture kind of a, a pedestal with me. I, I wanted to get one, like a Greek column, uh, but picture this pedestal here, and it's your life. What is on the top? What is up here that if you get this, you're good, right? If you achieve this one thing, maybe it's a relationship. If I just had this kind of relationship, everything else would be good. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's a job. If I just had this kind of job, the rest would be good. When we confuse this whole pedestal thing and put anything up there other than Jesus, the rest falls apart. But when Jesus is up here, the rest work out. Matthew 6, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. In the context of that passage, he's saying, don't worry about money. Don't worry about um, you know, health, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about these things. Pursue God and he'll give you the things that you need. He'll give you what you need. But now let's look at some of these principles in Proverbs 21 of how to succeed. Because again, we want to do well and God has designed it. He's designed the earth. So if we learn this, we will be successful. Uh, Proverbs is written by Solomon. If you remember Solomon, uh, he was the third king of Israel he was David's son, uh, and he was, in a he was a king, and it was a time of great wealth and prosperity for Israel. When he became king, God uh, you know, spoke to him. He was one of those that blessed to have this kind of relationship. This happened once. And, and God says, I'm going to give you whatever you want. Ask me for what you want. And Solomon didn't ask for wealth. He didn't ask for a long life. He said, give me wisdom to rule your people well. God said, I'm going to give you what you ask. And because you didn't ask for wealth, I'm going to give you wealth too. <laughs> and because you didn't ask for a long life, I'm going to give you that too. And he wrote Proverbs, writing as kind of a father to a son, saying, I'm going to teach you the things of how to live. And so take it that, this way. This is like a, a dad, very wise, instructing us with God's wisdom. And so back to Proverbs 21, verse 5. Start here. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes to poverty. This is in your notes. Diligence and planning lead to success. 
Here's a principle. This is a God-made principle. Do you want to have success in life? Here's one. Diligence and planning lead to success. God said it. Diligence, planning, hard work. You know, think about a, a farmer who wants to plant a field. It takes work to clear the stone, to figure out the right crop to put in there, and then you put in and it takes time and then it produces. Planning. We, uh, we have a 22-year-old son, and hopefully he doesn't watch this. Um, but he lives down in L.A. He just graduated college. Um, and we had this conversation a few weeks ago when he, when he was home. We said, what's your, your plan? Um, what do you want to do? He's like, well, this year I want to make money and pay off some debt. I said, then let's go through your budget. And so we did a budget. And I'm like, with the job you have, you're not going to be able to pay off any debt. So it was kind of a rough conversation, a little bit discouraging somewhat. I said, so what's your plan. Well, his degree is in psychology. What can you do with that? Nothing. Um, unless you get a higher degree, unless you go get your master's degree, which is what he wants to do. And in our world right now of, of therapy, we need godly therapists. We really do. A godly therapist who, who knows the Bible and loves God can have a great impact on people. And so that's what he would like to do. It's like, well, you need to go get more education. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to do that. Maybe just go to it. So we just talked about planning, making a plan, and honestly kind of looking at it. And sometimes it can be discouraging, but you got a plan. So for you, what's your plan? Maybe you've heard this before. Those who fail to plan, plan to fail. Parents, what's your plan to raise godly children? Or are you just winging it? I mean, we winged a lot of things with our kids, still do. But we have a plan, certain things to, to help grow their faith. You know, one of those is in their high school years, we want them to go and experience service. So Brendan, when he was younger, he went to Panama all summer. Uh, Lydia right now is at Cowboys Rest, the, the camp. They had camp this week, and she's staying three more weeks to serve. So, I mean, that's just kind of one of our plans that we need to kick them out of the house when they're still in teenage and go experience something tough. So what's your plan? What does God put on your heart in life? Right? Maybe we talked about this when we went through Nehemiah this last year, you know, a burden for something. Do you have a burden for single moms, a burden for the homeless, a burden, anything? What's your plan to do something about that? What's your plan for God to work through you to do something to fill that? Your job, school, what's your plan? We need a plan. Diligence and planning lead to success. You know, I've shared this before, but Callie and I, when we got married, our plan was to be missionaries, and God changed that plan. <laughs> we wanted to be overseas, and God said no, so we said, okay, we'll change the plan. We're going to start a business, um, and we're going to get wealth, um, and we're going to be missionaries to those we work for, those we work with, um, employee, all that. We're going to live for God. We're going to work in the church, all this stuff, and then we're going to retire early and have the money and the freedom to go be full-time missionaries, ministry, wherever, and not have to get paid. Well, when business started going well, God's like, I'm changing that plan too. I want you to go into ministry, and you're not going to have the money that you think, but you're going to do what I want you to do right now. I'm like, fine, we'll do what you want. Here's that principle. This is Proverbs 16.9. A man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Meaning, we plan, wisdom is plan, but we plan like this. We have our hands open for God to change our plans because when he's on the pedestal, he gets to control the rest. So we make plans, but we make them with him at the center of those plans. And what's the other part of that? 
Diligence and planning leads to success. What's diligence? Well, that's hard work. Darn it. <laughs> Are you willing to work hard on that plan, whatever plan you make? God says, I will honor your hard work. Be diligent. Now, what's the opposite of that? Look at uh, 5B, I, I would call it. But everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Well, who's this? Hasty. Uh, that's kind of impulsive. This is the person that doesn't want to work hard. They want to get rich quick. That's what this hasty means. I'm going to cut corners to get where I want to get. Proverbs 10.4. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. This is the idea of, of faithful hard work over time. Right? That, that's this diligence. Hasty, I want it right now. God says, no, be diligent over time. Uh, look at verse 6 in Proverbs 21. This elaborates. It says, the getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a snare of death. This is lumped together. This is the same type of person. I'm going to cut corners to get wealth and maybe even lie. Or, or, or manipulate the system, whatever. And it says, getting treasures by that way, it's like a fleeting vapor. It, it disappears. It's harder to hold on to rather than over time working hard. So do we cut corners? Listen, when God is at the center of our plans, we don't do those things because it's about him, not about success. If money and prosperity is on the top, then we'll do whatever to get there. If God is there, then we will live his way. Proverbs 9.10. Remember, this is a, a father teaching a son, and he says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The book of Proverbs is all about wise living. But here's where it starts. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Meaning, you want to live wise? You want to experience success? Put God at the center, and you will experience real success. Real success. And possibly, material success. Possibly, but again, that's not on our pedestal. Jesus is. Here's another principle we see in Proverbs 21, verse 17. It says this. Whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. So what is this wise teacher telling us here? Well, he uses the word love. This is an overemphasis on the finer things in life, right? The, the, the pleasure, a focus on that. The person who overindulges in pleasure will not be fulfilled. So, pedestal, is pleasure up there? Is that what's there? If it is, you're kind of, again, you're cutting corners. You have the wrong thing up there, and that's not going to lead to long-term success. Because the idea here, you get this picture of they want this so much, they're going to get this now. It's kind of the idea of the hasty person. I want it now rather than later. I got to throw this verse in because Preston taught on it last week and it was awesome. Psalm 16:11 says, in God's presence is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. When you follow, he gives you the joy and the pleasure. And by the way, for eternity, we're going to have that. But a focus on earthly pleasure too much now will not lead to success. What's the picture here? This is somebody living beyond their means. You've probably seen this. Maybe you did this. When you graduated college or high school when you were young, you're like, I want all the things my parents have who are in their 40s and 50s. 
And nowadays, you can get it right away, and here's how. Debt. <laughs> right? They're like, oh, my parents had these nice cars. I want a nice car. Oh, my parents had a nice house. I want a nice house. How do you do all that? Well, you can just go get a loan for it right now. And that leads to poverty. <laughs> Proverbs 22.7 says the borrower is slave to the lender. The borrower is slave to the lender. And again, that does not lead to success. Do the math, you know, on, on paying cash for a car or getting a loan. You get a loan for five years, you're going to end up paying thousands more. Uh, we had this conversation again. I'm going to talk about Brendan because he just crashed his car. And uh, uh, it wasn't his fault probably. Um, but he crashed his car and, told, and we had this conversation. He's been looking for a car and he bought one yesterday. And, and one of the, you know, he, he sent one and, and, you know, it's times like this. It's good to talk a lot. But he he said, my, my boss is selling this one, and it's really nice. It's $15,000. I said, with what you make, that's, that's out of your limit. It's another one of those kind of tough conversations. Where, where's your budget? Well, I have this much. Well, you can find a good car with that much. And so go get a car for that much cash. And then whatever your payment was going to be, save that. And in four or five years, now you have more cash to buy another car. It's just kind of this idea of planning Again, planning and delayed gratification with Amazon and things, we're bad at that, right? We want it now. I want a hamburger now. That's why I don't go to In-N-Out. I'm not going to wait in that line. <laughs> but, but wisdom here, you see this wisdom is, you want to fill all your pleasure now, it's not going to lead to success. But you be wise now, you can have more of that later, possibly. And here's that principle in your notes, a righteous person will live within their means. A righteous person will live within their means. I've said this before. If you are living godly, then your life will look different than the other people in our society who make the same amount as you, right? Other people that make 70000 a year and you make 70000 a year as a household, whatever, your life is going to look different. Because for one, you're going to be maybe giving more. You're going to be involved in different things. You're going to do cars differently. It's going to look different when we live with God as a center. And so a wise and godly person will have a habit of saving. Look at verse 21, 20. It says, precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. That's the principle of saving. You save and you're wise now, you'll have more later. And we have some people in our body that are retired that I think are a really good example of doing well, saving, being able to retire, and then be involved in ministry and be involved in people's lives. And so if you're wise, then yet later, maybe you can have a little bit more because you are saving. You don't spend every dollar that you make. The sad truth about American finances is in general, we spend every penny we make rather than having a habit of saving. But again, the pursuit should not be wealth. Look at verse 21, Proverbs 21, 21 and 22. It says, whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. A wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the stronghold in which they trust. This is the picture of, of being Successful, when stuff is not our priority, God will provide the stuff that we need. You see that? This is just like when Jesus said, pursue God's kingdom. Here, pursue righteousness, and God will give you the things that you need. 
And here's another principle, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. This is giving. Do you have a habit of giving? We, we talk a lot about finances in the church because Jesus talked about that more than anything else except for faith. But not because the church needs money, but because our hearts are connected to our wallets. They just are. And God says, I want your hearts. And in Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 there, he says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first of all your produce. If you are, back to this pedestal, if pleasure is up here, money, here's the evidence. Your giving is not going to be very good. Just plain and simple. So if you're wondering what's on your pedestal, look at how you give. Are you generous? Do you see needs and you're able to fill those needs? Or do you want your whatever this is so much you can't afford to give? And I've had those conversations a lot of times with people. I can't afford to give. Yeah, but you can afford a boat payment. You know, or I can't afford to give, well, but you can afford a new motorcycle. I mean, go down the list. It shows what's on that pedestal. But here, God will prosper those who recognize the source of their blessing and in their thankfulness give back to him first. This is a true principle in Scripture that the prosperity gospel grabs and says, see, you give and he'll give more to you. No, the principle is he's already given us everything. He owns everything, and so we're generous. And you see this throughout the New Testament. You see it in parables. God says, if you're faithful with a little bit, I, I will give you more so that you can glorify me more with what I give you. And again, that's one of those principles we see in Scripture, be faithful with what we have. Because ultimately, the Lord is in control, and he determines success. Look at verse 30. It says, No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. A good name is to be chosen rather than riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. I love how the writer here gets to the heart of the matter. There are principles to succeed in life, but a good name is better than riches. God is in control. You see here, uh, the lot, all of it is in the hand of the Lord. You know, this, uh, it looks like a military battle, right? You go into attack, you do it God's way, but if God is in it, he has control, meaning we can trust him with whatever the results are going to be. A good name is better than wealth, and God's approval resulting in favor is greater than riches. So here's, here's these principles. Listen, prosperity gospel is a destructive lie. Don't follow God just to get stuff. Follow God because Jesus died on the cross for you. He loves you. And now he has given you the Holy Spirit. And we have eternal security. Now we live our lives poured out for him. And so we live these principles. And if God blesses us, we leverage that for his glory. It's so much fun. It's so much fun to be living for his kingdom to see what he might do. Last point, when we pursue Jesus and his kingdom first, we can trust God completely with the results and whatever circumstance we find joy and peace in Christ. This is what I love about following Jesus. You know, this, this abundant life, it's not about stuff. And if we get stuff, again, we're thankful, and we give him the glory for that. But we have this abundant life of peace, love, and joy because of Jesus. Let's pray. 
Lord Jesus Christ, I, I thank you um, that in your word you, you give us these principles of success. Um, I thank you that as you give commands in scripture, they're all for our benefit. They're all for our flourishing. Uh, 